Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, in the last few weeks, we've tentatively been meeting people in the back garden and recording them in the open air. And this week, it was the turn of Cork's legend, John Spillane, who brought the guitar for a chat ahead of an upcoming private streaming gig with Debarra's in Clonakilty. The gig is semi-marking 30 years of singing, but as he said to Elle-Marie, maybe it's a little more than that. The occasion of 30 years is mentioned in the uh, press release, John. Um, and we, we were kind of talking a second ago about writing poetry in college and that sort of stuff. Is that where it kind of kicked off for you or did it go back to... I suppose I associate you in terms of poetry with Louis de Poyer and the fact that the two of ye would have been Spritnave boys as well, weren't you? That's right, yeah. Well, I mean, my writing career goes back to um, St. Joseph's on the Maradike where I went to primary school. All the way back and, uh, there. And Mr. Goggin used to um, make us write a, a composition every week. You know, in fifth class and sixth class, uh, an essay, a composition, we called it. And I got really good at writing stories in sixth class. Then every week... Mr. Goggin would read out the best story. Right. And for a while there, El Marie, I was on a, I was on a run. Okay. I had yeah, it every yeah. week for weeks on end, like I was on fire with the stories. So that's where, um, that's where my it. writing career comes from. I know because yourself and Louis then um, is another pairing that I kind of associate in that thirty-year period, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I worked with um, Louis de Poer and I worked with um, a lot of various writers, really. Paddy Galvin, I have to say, was my favourite. Oh. Patrick Galvin, who passed away in 2011. And um, yeah, I did. I, I did. I tried the, co- the co-writing for a while. It didn't work out mm. in a lot of cases, but sometimes it did. I loved Paddy. I loved yeah. him. And he was a poet who wasn't a university poet, so he didn't have some of the errors and graces that some of the university people have, you know. And I think it's because they get PhDs, and I think a PhD is bad for a person because they become kind of. Um, you have to be careful of the superiority. But uh, Paddy, Paddy's feet were always on the ground. He was a working class yeah. kind of a man, and um, he said, "Oh, they're all killing each other about who gets what poem into what anthology." Sure, my my mother cleaned floors. Yeah, Do you know, and he had that kind of um, he he, but he was also a better writer. But I mean, that's the way it goes as well. Like I am, um, you know, I think that the, the better writers are probably kind of sounder as well. Maybe it was the honesty. I think so much of what he recognised and obviously the one that leaps straight away to mind when you mention him is the Mad Woman of Cork and that collaboration that he had in the sense of you putting his words mm-hmm. to music. That poem, when I read it first, my first encounter with it was on paper. It hit me it's in brilliant. the gut, you yeah, know, when yeah. I read it first. And then when I heard it, the grit and the fire that's in your treatment of the words. Oh, thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's it's so, so appropriate. And yet, when you play it at gigs, there are some people who've never heard of Paddy Galvin or ever heard this song first. 
and there's a confusion, isn't there, in a, the reaction to it sometimes? Oh, this first drama over over the song, like yeah. So I mean, I had a few goes off it. Right. I have to say, I was walking on the Grand Parade and I met Andy Moore, who's Christie's brother, and Andy is a well-known figure in on the Cork landscape, say. And Andy said to me, John, you should put music to Paddy Galvin's "The Mad Woman of Cork," and I said. I know it off by heart. I've yeah. often like thought about it doing it, and I had a few goes, and I tried. Um, first, I tried like using kind of dark minorish chords, yeah. and, but in the end, I went for a kind of a total crazy attack. And I'm inspired by um, a lady called Nan Bird, who was around Cork when I was a child, around Glasheen and Wilton. She was a mad woman of Cork to me. She went around with broken umbrellas, and she had one hand behind her back. She was stooped over. She used to scream at the children. Oh, um, she used to frighten the life out of us. Of course, Nan she Bird. She, you know, a lot of people would know of. Of her, and but Paddy said he wrote it about a, a woman who was around uh, Green Street in the fifties. But I think that might possibly have been Nan Burr too, you know. But anyway, um, when I did it first, my musical version of the Mad Woman of Cork, what happened was Paddy got a stroke. Paddy got a stroke, and he was in his late seventies, I'd say. Mm. And um, I was very upset because I was I loved Paddy, you know. I mean, I loved him personally, kind of as well as um, his like, loving his stuff. And it was only after he got sick then that I said, John, like, why didn't you do the Mad Woman? So I did it. Actually, while he was in hospital, I went to visit him and I, I did a song and uh, I sent him the CD and I said, what do you think of it? And he went like, I can't do that now on the, yes. on the radio, but he went kind of, oh, See-saw. maybe, maybe not. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so. And I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, then, um, but then Mary, his wife, Mary Johnson, who was a brilliant woman, like yeah. she said, um, he loved it. You know, he was like that at the start. But because um, there's not much of a tune to it or anything, it's more of an attack. It is. The words come in an attack. Now, don't play the whole lot of it for us. Give us a small little bit of it there, though. Yesterday in Castle Street, I saw two goblins at my feet. I saw a horse without a head carrying the dead to the graveyard near Turner's Cross. I am the mad woman of course. The people hate me. <sighs> still gets me. <laughs> it's some it carry on, isn't it? It is. You know, the words are just, they're savage. Yeah. There's a rawness to them, isn't And then there? he goes, go away from me. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. so cork. It is. Yeah. It, it, and like you take that, for example, and you go to some of the most beautiful lyric love songs that you have composed and written and serenaded. The Me population. or Paddy Galvin? No, no you. Oh, it takes <laughs> Yeah. I'm not going to go through Paddy Galvin's uh, whole No, I'm, I'm working on a new Paddy song. Oh, are you? It's called My Father Spoke With Swans. Leaning from the parapet of the Southgate Bridge, My Father Spoke With Swans. It's a beautiful poem oh, by Paddy, yeah, yeah. Even that line. I know. That line. He has, he has the magic touch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, 30 years of, you know, what we call the Gaelic hit factory. We call it that because at every gig, you know, you have a crack with the audience about the Gaelic Kid Factory and we're flying high. And Well, uh, you know, I, I say 30 years, but I actually went professional in 1981 okay. when I left my, my permanent pensionable job in the Bank of Ireland. So 81, like it's more like 40 years, really, to tell you the truth. But that's how old we're getting. So yeah. 30 is just pulled out of the hat, really, but it's <laughs> it's 39 is more accurate, really. Uh, there you are. Well, you're going to be celebrating all of that in this gig in Debaris uh, online. And I suppose that's one of the things particularly want to talk to you about this morning is the fact that this is a new era for musicians and performers. And right throughout the whole lockdown, every musician was there on Facebook Live and they were sharing and they were broadcasting and, you know, they were staying connected and that was lovely. But week one, we were saying on the Arts House, how are people going to earn a living? Yes. Yeah. You know, there's 
that's all that giving for free was amazing. But people do have to still earn a living. And I think this new setup is a brilliant, a brilliant one. So we're going to tell people a little bit about how they can buy tickets for the gig and how the new system is going to work. You have played a couple of gigs online and you've done them both virtually from home as well as live from Tavares. And that's right, Elmer. Yeah, I, I kept the monthly residency going the first Thursday of every month and I did the first two months from my own house yeah. in Passage West. And then last month we went down with the band and we played behind closed doors with no audience. And it was streamed. There was a PayPal situation where you could mm. throw money in the hat. But now this month, they've developed the gear a bit better, like cameras and all that, and, and the sound quality. And uh, it's a, you have to pay to see it. Ticketed event. Yeah. yeah. And it, we're going to do two shows, actually, this on the first Thursday of August from the Barras. We're going to do a nine o'clock show, which is streaming to Ireland, and I suppose to anywhere, really. But we're, we're doing a, late, a later one then, um, which is targeted at an American audience, because I have a lot of um, American friends because well I, I did tour there a lot long ago but I've done gigs for American people in Cork you know they come here every year musical tours and stuff so um, we're doing 11pm and it's going out at 5 o'clock in America and so you know that class fantastic yeah. okay um, I want to ask you about the live one behind closed doors because that little bit of the chuckle that you have back and forth and the crack that you have is yeah. cut off from you yeah well I, I've always found theatre gigs hard where um, you're on a stage and the people are quite far away from you and you can't see them yeah I like the kind of music venue gigs where you know you can you can see them and they can see you and you can get something back but there are tricks of the trade and i found out when i was streaming from home uh, my wife kathy was there she was the only person there but she was saying hey yeah, you know, know give yeah. me a bit of a clapping <laughs> so she becomes the whole audience yes when we were behind closed doors and in the barras kevin and ethna came in you know local friends from a couple yeah and uh, the fact that they were in the room it changes and the electricity, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, because they're friendly away. and well disposed. Yeah. And they, there was a few new songs, and they were going, "Oh, new, you know, love, you know." So, so one person can do a, be a whole audience. Yeah, just like me now. <laughs> Radio is a bit like that, but you know. It, it is, but the other side of it is all of those online gigs have let people tune in from all over the place. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, like normally we'd, we'd play in the barras and we might have like, we could have 30 or 40 people there on the yeah. night. We could have 50 or 60. In the summer, we might have 100, you know, maybe, maybe not. But like these ones, you see like, you know, 9,000, yeah. 4,000, 16,000, you know, so so that's nice. The barras have had a number of posts on their Facebook page during the whole pandemic period about how, you know, you've never missed a gig and you're there the first. Oh, yes. Thursday of the month all the time like what was it sparked that well, uh, solidity of that relationship with you and them see I'm, I'm kind of old school and like when I was a young fella playing in bands long ago like you know even in the late 1970s or whatever we loved a residency mm. and like I, I just love a residency always some of the best times I've had in my life with various bands have been residencies but the younger crowd don't seem to go for the residency so much it's an older model for example um you know, with my band Longo, we played Sir Henry's every Wednesday night. Mm. You know, you might get six months out of it, then it might change. Uh, in the lobby days, I played in the lobby, you know, once a month with Johnny McCarthy. Then I played once a week for a while. And what was it? What it's, was it's it a, res- a residency older idea. that changes not just the financial security for you as a musician, but the development of you as a musician or the connection with an audience or is it the developing of an audience what is it about a residency that on a basic level you get more gigs because you, you've got one a week <laughs> right, okay. or one a month or one okay, a year yeah, box, okay so it ticks that box so yeah. it's a way of, of doing work because I'm you know, it takes a lot of the randomness out of it. But also you get comfortable in the space. Mm. And like, when I was with the Stargazers we played a number of residencies and we were in the Metropole Hotel upstairs 
every week for I'd say for a couple of months and we had great crack and people come every week that we were in um, O'Flynn's bar upstairs we started a Tuesday night residency mm. you know five or in so you become very comfortable in the space and you try new songs there I love, so at the moment like for many years now I do the Everyman once a year which is a Christmas residency and I do the bars once a month which is a monthly residency and uh, that kind of crack Christmas isn't Christmas without singing it with it, all the surprise guests and all that sort of crack in the Everyman it literally is you know as much of a tradition for us now at this stage as Panto the gigs Thank starting so off much. with the Lord Mayor then we've, the shopping is nearly done and you're in town and you head off to John Spillane's Christmas gig and then the Christmas holidays kick in and we head to the Panto. It's kind of like those are the landmarks and I'm fierce attached to those kind of occasions and stuff like that. But I've never been to the gig in Debarra's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ah, it's a great place. I mean, well, Clon is lovely, as you know, but I mean, uh, Debarra's is a great house for music. And what they've done over this um, COVID has been um, amazing. Sitting I mean, room they, to sitting room sessions. They have done a huge amount of music. Yeah, they did. And, I mean, and they're not making any money out of that. Like, I mean, they, they have given an enormous amount to the whole music scene and they've invested in gear and they've kept the, kept the ball running there. Yeah. So, like, they're champion outfits, the bars. And championing all of those that would come and, you know, work with them. It's, it's an awful landscape at the moment. And we've talked about it kind of quite often on a Sunday. How do people still support musicians? I mean, like, the whole Spotify and streaming thing kind of obviously also blew up again this week. Oh, look Luca Bloom With and everything Luca's yeah. letter and you know and Mary Coughlin as well coming out last week talking about how she had that kind of statement of 299 pages of plays and $30 to show for it it's been that way for years it's why gigs like this are important you mentioned the lobby bar though you know and for all sorts of reasons a couple of songs you have particularly about Cork just really strike a chord with Cork audiences and you've been fated and photographed this last week with um, Princess Street obviously yeah. kicking yeah. off yeah Princess Street is the regeneration of I lower know, Princess Street I'm delighted I know and like your, your your song about Princess Street is almost like an anthem for the city rising and all that sort of stuff it's great I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But seeing as we're kind of on the topic of residencies and you mentioned the lobby, would you give us a few bars at the lobby bar? I would, of course. Always one of well, my favourites because in that one you're not just paying tribute to Cork and residencies, you're also doing the, the roller for all those fantastic Cork musicians we have. Thanks so much, Elmery. Well, fierce excitement over the Lobby Bear song. Right, well, two songs actually, which are both two of my Cork songs. Christy Moore, my hero. Um, he named his last album Magic Nights after this song and it's the first track on it and it's a fabulous version that he did live in the Cork Opera House and then he came out um, in July like this month only and he did a streaming gig he turned 70, 75 there last month and he did a streaming gig on the 7th of July where he said that my song Gerta Toggart which is my yes. country song he said he said of all my favourite songs I've ever sing in the whole world says Christy like um, this would be um, definitely in the top 10 and somewhere between number 1 and number 6 Gerta Toggart Christy like and is it the field is it the kind of connection to the land is it the remembering of home and 
generations. See, Christy loves that song. He loves that song so mm. much. He, he loves it more than I love it myself. <laughs> what he says is that anybody can inhabit the song. Yeah. So Christy sits in the driving seat and he, he sings about the names of the fields in my mother's place mm. in Bantry. It's very personal, like. But, I mean, he sings about that, but in his mind, he's in his own mother's farm in Kildare. So, like, he's using my song as yeah. a vehicle, so as he says, anybody can inhabit the song. So, uh like and it's funny Christy, because you know like before we started talking there a minute ago you were talking about how the, the fact that we're in classes like and straight away you were on loganim.ie trying to find out the etymology of yeah we're, <laughs> yeah, we're yeah there's two <laughs> classes yeah. you know and it is that connection I think to um, like my mum is from Glengariff only down the road obviously from Bantry and like that heading home to Glengariff listening to names like Rusnasun Snog and Kumaknov like and all of these places I mean, yeah yeah they're, they're just mouthfuls of Deliciousness, yeah. you know. It's called Snov. I know. I on the love way snob. down. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. Okay, come back or to the lobby. Random. There were magic nights in the lobby bar with Brendan Ring playing Madame Bonaparte. Every note that the piper would play would send me away, send me away, away through the window, away through the rain. Away across the city, away in the air To a field by a river where the trees are so green The deepest of green you've ever seen Where once you have been, you can go back again You can go anytime, you can go anytime Cause it's only in your mind There's a line, of course, that comes up later in the song that we were young yeah, and our fathers were kind. And I wanted to ask you about that line. I'm glad you asked me about that line because that's not my own line. It's Ricky Lynch's line. All right. OK. So, um, so in the Lobby Bar um, song, I use three, just three verses. I always you do work in threes and I have three verses and one features... Um, Brendan Ring, a piper, one features Jarrah Wolfe, a songwriter, and one features Ricky Lynch, a songwriter. And in the two um, Ricky Lynch and Jarrah Wolfe verses, I quote lines from Jarrah songs and yes. R- Ricky songs. And I quoted a line from Ricky Lynch's song called Autumn in Mayfield. Most beautiful song. And it's about the death of his father. Because it was autumn in Mayfield and the barley was ripe. The, the harvest moon hung low in the sky. We were children and our mothers were young and fathers were tall and kind. It's a chorus, that song between three people, me and Jer and Ricky. It's an old device, the song within the song. It's beautiful. And you have, in your travels going all over the country, that series that you had in TG Car, which I thought was a fantastic programme. Thank you. Discovering the localities, connecting with communities and writing a song for each place that you stopped and visited. Sometimes you would also use that device, a song within a song, or a phrase or something like that from a locality mm-hmm. uh, or a legend. Well, I, I, I'm going strong. I tell you now, Liam Lair, I want a song. It's about the, the Mayor's Leap. Yeah. There's a fabulous local legend down there. Did, just done a new market one uh, called Flurry Shays. And, it is uh, really, like that is really harking back to the old proper bardic tradition, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's still done, you know. And I mean, I, I, did you hear the song about the, the, the creamery at Fremont? Fremont? <laughs> No, I did not. Uh, by another Elmery, yeah, from North Cork. 
But when you were traveling around, was there anywhere that you found, jeepers, this is breaking my heart now to get a song and the TG Cahar cameramen are there and we're under pressure and we have to wrap up tomorrow and I haven't got this song in the bag? No, you see, the thing about that was that it was my idea to do the song because the company I was working for, like Forefront in Douglas Cork, they said it's not about you, it's about the town. I'm the one who went and like imposed a song on every programme, so it was my idea, so I had to... I had to fulfil it. Right. I think that there's loads of, um, there's endless variations, you see. You know, well, you can try rhyme, you can try history, you can try a local incident. There's endless variations. Um, I, I didn't even write any polkas or any waltzes. You know, there's endless variations of, ryth- of rhythm that could be used as well. You could go into rock and roll and blues. So, I don't know, you know, I, I haven't run out yet anyway. <laughs> you haven't. And even the, like the albums, the albums keep coming and every single one is different to before. Maybe we'll say, I suppose, the Irish songs we remember from our childhoods, you know, those that series of albums would have had a particular theme that you were kind of returning to. But all your other albums, though, all quite, quite different. Well, thank you so um, much. Whether they're acoustic or fully electrified are there any albums of yours that you find you return to or throw on yourself and have a listen back to now and again I don't really listen to my own stuff at all and it, it's good? hard to listen to yourself you know it's it's just like you know when you're young and you put hear your voice on a tape recorder yeah. that never fully goes away and that's why it's lovely to have lovely music behind it because you know you think that it's a good record you know, you get a music producer in, like Declan Sinnott or somebody and um, the new one that I have coming out next year um, I went to London and it's it's fancy like it's big big production and there's big sound who's producing that it's produced by John Reynolds he's a, a producer who has produced a lot of um, Damien Dempsey records and Sinead O'Connor records and he's London Irish and it's a big soundscape and there's a lot of Pauline Scanlon on this new one she's multi-layered yeah. um, loads and loads of Pauline angel dust on it and uh, hopefully it'll be radio friendly And at the same time travelling to London and you said it's going to kind of be big and everything I suppose there were certain songs that maybe, and the album, was it Hey Dreamer was one of the EMI ones? Yeah, and that was a big London one as well. Yeah. yeah, there were certain songs in that, that, you know, the acoustic and the big studio sound were so different. Like the song works both ways. But did you ever find yourself preferring one over the other for any of the songs in that? No, I just kind of give it a go, you know, yeah. and I, I, I give somebody the job because like, I think teamwork is what gets us successful in this world. So um, you're working with other people, like so. Um, I give somebody the gig to produce the record, and I don't put my finger. I don't be putting my oar in. Then you know, I'm, I'm honoured to be working with that person. But I mean, I do find that like with music, everybody tends to be an expert. And when, <laughs> when I did the first like commercially, when I did the first EMI record, which yeah. was called "Will We Be Brilliant or What," yeah. and which got a lot of radio play, like the Cherry Trees, and like, that's that's 18 years ago now. But I was all over the radio. And the cherry trees, and will be. There was a number of singles, but people were telling me that I sold my soul, you know, by going all commercial. And I said, "How, how dare you tell me I sold my soul? You don't even know me. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I sold my soul. What? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, so people are. It's like hurling. People are. You have the hurlers on the ditch. They never actually have the. They come on in their hand like poking the slitter. Like, Actually, so you get a lot of that. You know, you Bob do Dylan it. had the cheek to pick up. And go electric, and that kind of kills. Uh, so everybody's an expert them. at the music, they are, they like are, they're they are, experts they at sport as well. Yeah, so, yeah. so you, you do get a lot of that. But personally, um, I just you make a decision and move on. I don't say, oh, that, that's you sold your soul and all this kind of crap. Nah. You know what? If you sold your soul for the dance of the cherry trees, how bad? I mean, that song went global for you because it kind of connected, like it literally connected with the human experience. It had a big year this year. 
Yeah. Uh, the cherry trees had a big year this year because of the COVID. Yeah. And I got a lot of messages from it. And then um, John Arnold, in uh, he's up in Bartlemy in North Cork, he rang me up and he said, I'm a radio addict, he said. I heard the dance of the cherry trees, he said, 10 times in the last 14 days on the radio. So, like, I went through the roof this this year again. So, happy days. Happy days. Well, for me, happy days. Like, not happy days for the COVID <laughs> and the country. You know, coming out of the whole COVID thing, who knows when we'll be able to have a live audience in front of anything properly yet. Um, you know, I've seen how, we'll say, maybe the cabaret scene that they're going to try with the Kino. Yeah, well, I'm doing the Kino on August the 8th, and I'm, it's mm-hmm. going to be 40 people allowed in for a gig. So, I mean, it can probably hold 150 or something, but they're having it down to 40. And then you do a, you do two shows. So I don't know how that's going to go. but um, Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. We'll try it. Things like that, having a bit of outside-the-box thinking, really trying to change how things happen, but still allow people to come together and experience live music insofar as it's possible to do it and it's safe is fantastic. That's on the August the 8th. And booking for all of those Kino gigs is like hotcakes the second there. They're out. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so come back to the Debarra's gig. So people will basically buy the ticket online and then before the gig, they're going to get a link yes. to a private screening. So it's not like any of the Facebook lives before with PayPal links and that sort of thing. This is completely different. Yes. And people will either go on, is it on your website or the Debarra's website to... Well, there's links on both, yeah. but Debarra's website is, is a good place to start. Or John Splan or Debarra's, yeah. It's easy to find anyway. I was talking to somebody during the week and one of the songs they started actually singing to me was All The Ways You Wander. And it is also one of my favourites. And I wonder, would you give us a few bars of that before yeah. we wrap up, John? Of course. Do you have to do extra? No, I don't at all. No, it's a... Oh. so much <laughs> listen John you brought the sun the sun is shining may it forever shine on you wherever you wander and all the ways you wander and celebrating 30 years and the rest maybe and the rest <laughs> into it as well with a, a new wave of online gigs and uh, Debarra's really cradling and minding and supporting musicians right throughout this also that this is a new way now that audiences can continue to support and mind and cradle musicians and enable work like this to continue by buying tickets for online gigs like this until we can all sit in the dark and breathe the air and the magic together again thank you so much thanks for so much Helen Marie lovely to see you yeah